0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Grace Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. If you need some advice from the legal standpoint, I know that uh, racing season's getting going, but if there's some contracts lingering or you have some issues, especially if you're in California, maybe in a motorcycle accident, get a hold of our boy Alex at Bike911.com. He will take care of you. I'm Greg, and Jason is here as well. JP, how's life going, my friend? G-dub,
1: it is going. It is, uh... It's a bit hectic at the moment, but it's it's all good. I gotta I gotta get this thing done today so I can rip up to Monterey for essentially a night and then come home tomorrow night and then catch a plane Wednesday to Big D. Yeah, going to Daytona Beach. Fine. Let's get on it, Jay.
0: Because in this podcast, we're gonna talk fantasy from MotoGP fantasy. How do I say fantasy? You know, like I'm <laughs> from some like Chicago. We're going to talk supercross fantasy but let's just cut to the chase moto how are we happened. gonna how
1: are we gonna talk about all this stuff this is like a two-hour show we're gonna well we'll we'll condense it down let's <laughs> less, uh, <laughs> oh will we oh will and, we now
0: okay yeah yeah all right. We'll let's do that so, i mean we got a preview the daytona 200 we yes. I, you know there's uh there's all kinds of stuff going on including Arai news so why don't we just get right into news presented by Arai? Do, 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 do. See, that's the music going right there. Got and it. You know what, yeah. Jason? If you look at the forecast down at Daytona Beach where, her head, where we're... Oh, my gosh. Where we are heading, yeah, it's warm down there. And you know what that means? You wear a helmet, you sweat. Did you know Arai helmets are lined with an antimicrobial material? Yeah, that's true. It's the liner that you love so much. Those antimicrobials give you some dirt resistance and little bit of uh, odor resistance, you can stay fresher longer. Enjoy a comfortable ride in the latest Arai helmet. Check out AraiAmerica.com, pick up what you like, and head down to your local dealer for fitment and get yourself a lid. All right, Jason. I said it. We're in the middle of Bike Week.
1: Yeah, a we ton are. Of 200. Yeah. Race. Doesn't it feel kind of weird, like all the years we went down there, we'd be there for like the entire? I mean, there was times when we. Really two really, en- I did enjoy it. I-
0: I enjoyed it when it was Supercross on Saturday and us on Sunday. Like every the and Flat Track was in and around that whole deal. GNCC was down the street. We got to see so was almost like going to the old AMA banquet, wasn't it? Yeah, you you see everybody one time a year that you could see it. Yeah, all the different disciplines and stuff. But
1: but. Greg, did you ever do? Did you um? Did you ever do CCS Week and all that stuff?
0: I never. I know. I never. The only time
1: I raced Daytona was AMA stuff. Well, what they because what they used to do is. CCS weekend was the weekend before, and it was like the big. It was the time for everybody to break open their new bikes. So you would literally <laughs> get down there, and you'd walk into people's garages, and they they all had that new bike smell, you know, because, um, you know, people literally would just be buttoning up bikes just to get ready for Daytona. As I'm sure there's a lot of teams right now just trying to throw things Drash. together to get down there. Yeah, thrashing right the to thrash, get there yeah. exactly. But we do the CCS week, so you'd fly down there on like a, on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And you'd ride Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then you'd actually be back on track Tuesday back in the old days of AMA. You, and you, it was just like just wearing out equipment the whole time. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: And then and then there was a few years where they decided Phoenix was going to happen in February. right? So it was mm-hmm. even worse trying to get bikes ready. But uh, I remember, too, Jay, before Airbnb, I remember you
1: being in Daytona. You used to stay at someone's house, like rent their house, right? I never, ever... I. Yeah, it was like one of those things. Was like, ah, oh, I just like to get to a hotel, do my own thing, have my own room. You know that you're the same way. And uh, one year when I rode for Kinkos, we got um, we got put up at this house, and they were the greatest people, like just awesome people. And so I ended up staying there even after I I uh, didn't ride for Kinkos. We had the you know the ability to just go to stay at their house, and it was awesome. Yeah, long before Airbnb, that had was the whole yeah that was way before Airbnb.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, people put ads in paper saying, "Hey, cuz they knew they were smart, hey, let's rent some rooms out for Bike Week and make some dough." You know if you can ha- I remember, I think I went there for breakfast one time and the the, Did the, you? the lady who at the house Flo- would make you guys Flo, breakfast. Flo, I stuff. think her name
1: was, yeah. Mm.
0: But anyway, look, it you know, Bike Week's kind of kind of end on the Daytona 200. I mean, you know, hopefully we race Saturday. Sunday's a rain day just in case and the forecast isn't looking stellar, but Well, Moto America has put together something called the Pit Lane Challenge, Jay. It's at 4.45 p.m. on Friday, which is March 11th. And the teams that have the fastest pit stops win. Now, they're going to invite the top three qualifying teams and then two wild cards. There's a $16,000 purse, and the winners will walk away with $7,500. Wow. What do you think think about that? And if you're around, not you personally, but anybody listening, if you're around, you want to stay around Daytona Friday afternoon and check that out. I would imagine, Jay that we're going to do it probably on live plus. And I mean, for sure there'll be video, you know, even if they don't oh, do yeah. it on live plus, there'll be some video going on of that deal. I think they're going to do it in like in victory lane or something. They're going to have the teams kind of, that'd be really their great. Do you think that anybody will put us on their, uh, you know, tire changing team, me and you, I mean, I can hold a, I could hold a fire extinguisher. I could I'm do that. At that.
1: I can hold, a, I could catch a <laughs> wheel. if Someone throws me a wheel possibly, but that'd be about the end of it. It's, it's, it's got to be interesting to find
0: out what the rules are for the 200, but we'll talk more about that later. So that that that's pretty cool. You definitely want to check that out. Now, last week, top four Yamaha riders in World Superbike went over to Aragon and tested. World champ top rack, the Oglo was there. So was American Garrett Gerloff. And after kind of a blow-off Wednesday, it, it they got a couple hours, then it rained and all this kind of stuff. Thursday, they had really good weather. And after 85 laps, Gerloff on his GRT Yamaha went .074. So 74 thousandths of a second off yeah. the top rack. Jay, they tested some like new parts and like brakes and seat and tank and stuff like that. So is this just a test, JP, or is it a good sign for Garrett Gerloff that he is
1: back? Well, I don't think that the question mark is if he's back and can do the lap times. We know he can. He can go fast. Will he be back when the racing comes? What is it... Is it going to be a new year for him in the sense that is he going to be mentally strong enough to feel like he can ride close to people and that kind of thing after getting his hand slapped last year? Um, you know, I think that that's going to be the hardest thing for him to just get over. He basically rode around the last part of last year, kind of you know keeping his nose clean, not really wanting to engage that much anymore. And let's hope that with an off season of uh, training, uh, he can come into this year with a brand new, fresh look on things. Perspective on uh, on things, if you will, because we know he's capable of you know running up front in all these races, and to be that close at top rack um, is is impressive. But he's been he's been close to these guys. He hasn't really been that far off him in the past, anyways. G Dub. No, he definitely hasn't. Not when you know there's no
0: red lights going off.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Just see how it's like when you know when he's got a race against these guys. And I know that last year he was a bit gun shy after some of the incidents that happened there and and uh you know I want to see the guy up front because he's capable of winning races I think I think he's capable of of uh putting a great season together too so yeah let's see how Garrett gets on all right well there's your news presented by Arai let's get anything else yeah no I got nothing else um did you just like on the weekend did you get to just hang out and watch a little bit of racing
0: no because I had to Archery State Oh, you had your archery
1: thing. Yeah, we'll get into that later, I right hear. No, but... we will not. No. <laughs> <laughs> was um brutal. Well, listen, I sat around this weekend. It's like one of my last weekends at home. And I was just glued to it. So we had MotoGP finally kick off the, the season. And, you know, Greg, is there a series in the world right now that just comes up with better storylines? Just weekend and week out, it just seems like. MotoGP right now just has all the storylines and it had a very unpredictable um, podium again. Like, you know, everyone's kind of looking at Marquez and looking at Bagnaya, especially the Ducatis are going to come into Doha and dominate. And I don't think that they thought that it would be Anea Bastianini who dominates on his Gresini racing. And when I say he dominates, he just rode such a smart race. He was there the whole time, picking his way through people. Didn't panic when he saw Paul Spargo kind of getting away at the front, and uh, and Bastianini comes home and wins over Brad Bender, uh, a track that's <laughs> notoriously not great for KTM. Brad Bender ends up second. Paul Spargo, first bike on the Honda, or first rider on the Honda, ends up third with a Leash fourth on the Aprilia. So he had four different brands in the top five. The second Honda of Marquez don't say that very often. He comes in fifth. Juan Mir and Alex Rins on the Suzuki's were sixth and seventh. Zarco nipped Quattararo at the line for eighth. Quattararo ninth, Nakagami tenth. We'll get into some of the others in a minute. But what's your overall take? First off, from this race at Doha, the overall take is is
0: that Ducati's in a bit of a over-engineered bother, meaning that it doesn't look like they evolved the bike in the direction they should have gone. You know the stories are coming out now that the factory boys have a like a hybrid engine of a 2021 2022 where like martin and the rest of the guys other than anea bastianini all have the 2022 deal you know Pecco's come out and said that he's not a tester doesn't want to be a tester but really that's part of his job as the factory team so I think that that's that's a, a bit of a thing I think that looking at the drive out of the corner for Suzuki I think it's great. I mean, they obviously have found something, especially at a track as fast as Qatar is. They they drafted a Ducati. A Ducati passed uh, a Suzuki in the corner. Like it's it was it was like upside down world. Jay. I mean, like yeah. you're like Anea Bastianini, Brad Binder, and Pol Barger on the podium. But it's crazy. Mark Marquez is in the race. Juan Mir, champ from two years ago, is in the race. Cradellaro is in the race. Maverick Vinales, who's known to go fast, is in the race. Who's won oh. at, the, at Doha. Like. You, it has nothing to do with the talent in the field or that level, right? Like, it's you're just Jack Miller, you know, had a problem. Miguel Oliveira crashed out. Like, it was just Bizarro World in a really, really good way because, like you're saying, Jay, so many great storylines. And of course, the winner storyline is the is the best of all.
1: Yeah, know? really. I mean, seeing him be able to dedicate that win to Fasto Grassini, and you can almost tell, like, when things like this happen, it's almost like that paddock comes together. Like all paddocks do, you know it's a big family traveling around, and I don't think that there's going to be anybody disappointed with seeing that victory for that team and for the for the crew uh, and and all all the things that were involved with Bastianini winning. Um, Second-year rider had won the Moto2 World Championship a couple of years back, uh, was showing some real promise last year, and uh, you know I don't think that I could say that you couldn't see this coming. Bastianini was definitely. Um, Knocking on the door last year, lap time wise, um, putting in some great results. I think that when you look down the list, there's just so many storylines, though. Bender, second on the KTM at a track that notoriously, like I said, KTM has struggled at. And he got an incredible start, Greg. Rode a race that just looked consistent the whole way through. Kind of took on all comers. Everybody that was kind of firing at him or around him, in and around him, from Paul Spargo to Marquez to Bastianini, all these guys and the KTM just looks strong. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if that's going to be sustainable at more tracks this year because Binder's going to be there for the for the championship. He doesn't throw the bike down the road much. He's good in the rain as we know. He'll be there if this bike can continue to evolve.
0: That's the key to it. Now, Jay, I did take a look at like last year's races and stuff, and I can tell you that this race that Bastianini won in 42 minutes and 13 seconds was significantly faster than the races, the two races we had last year. And you've mentioned it before. They had a bunch of testing in Qatar. Then they had two races in Qatar. So by the time yeah. they got done, and this track was actually a little bit slower leading up to the race. There was quite a bit of wind that riders were talking about. A draft was really important to get a good lap time because of breaking the wind. I guess the, I think the, the wind was kind of shooting straight down the front straightaway, you know, so you had okay. a big headwind. Yep. And so... You look at that and you say, "Okay, wait a second. Let, let's go ahead and break this down. If you have a 2021 bike that, you know, was able to do like Peco Bagnaya has the outright track record there ever at like a 52.77, which he did in 2021. The pole lap here was a 53.0, so you know, less than three tenths of a second. Yeah. Everybody said wind. So you look at that, and that was from Jorge Martin, right? But if you look at it and you say, okay, now you've gone 13 or 14 seconds quicker in the race than both races last year, then that tells me that the 2021 bike was developed in a way that it kept getting better and better and better. And then Bastianini took advantage of that. So the question now becomes, how long is it going to take Ducati and how long is it going to take Honda to get a bike that wins? Because post-race, Pola Espargaro, you know, in Park Fermi with Simon Crafer basically said, look... You know, we're still learning about this motorcycle. And this motor. did you, did you see his post-race interview? I Holes? didn't. No. He said, Jay, that this motorcycle is doing things towards the end of the race that completely surprised me, but now I'm learning about it. And what we did see was that soft rear tire go off, and we saw a couple really violent twitches and things coming out of that motorcycle, which tells me that the electronics engineers have not caught up to what that bike is doing when the tire completely goes off because we don't normally see that in in that situation. So there is some improvements to be made for those two brands, but right now the bike to be on is the 2021 Ducati after one race but still
1: 20 to go. Yeah, but you know, you sit there and you look at it and you and I with, you know, during our podcast, there's eight Ducatis now on the grid. And I think there was hardly anybody that came into Doha not expecting to see Ducatis dominate the top 5, dominate the top 10. There's two Hondas in the top five. All of a sudden, if you'd have said, pick two bikes that are going to be in the top five, you know, the same brand, everybody would have said Ducati. I probably would have too. Um, But Honda, Honda is definitely back. One of the things that I think that Paul needs to get away from in his interviews is stop talking about. There's another Honda rider now that can actually ride the bike. Like we can see that, and you need to stop poking the bear because they even ask. They're asking Marquez about it now. Like, what do you think about having another Honda? You know. He goes well. It's great for the team, but it's bad for me because I don't want to get beat by him. You know, even though he gave Paul a lot of credit, but, you know, it's it's just funny how that whole thing has worked. I think for Mark Marquez, it's a great result. Um, it looked like he struggled from the beginning to me. If you watched um, FP4, which I did, he had a crash in FP4 on the front that looked pretty pedestrian, and it wasn't like he did a lot, a lot wrong. And so I think that he is still coming to grips with what the front end of that bike is doing, as you heard kind of over the weekend, you heard him talking about that a little bit because, you know, the feel that he had with the old bike with the front is legendary. We used to see him have these incredible saves and, you know, I'm not sure if he doesn't have that feel just yet on this bike. So a fifth place. And what was he like four seconds behind the winner at the end? Um, Something like that, Uh, G-Dub. I think it was very encouraging for him. To be a, I think it was very encouraging for Mark Marquez and all of Honda um, to 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 be where they're at. Um, you know, again, there's just so many storylines. The Suzukis this weekend looked like they made a big step, and during the race they didn't become as much of a factor as, as maybe I thought that they were going to be. Um, still, both bikes within what eight seconds of the win. Um, yeah, but so, let's talk
0: about the Suzuki for a second because. Yeah. yeah.
1: I follow one of the crew chiefs on the Suzuki
0: team on Twitter, and he talked about exactly what we know happens all the time. If you come out of that season and you all of a sudden add to an amazing chassis, a bunch of extra horsepower, which I don't know. I heard a number like 30 horsepower, which I totally. Find it looked to like believe, it, didn't it? They were fast. It, it, they were fast, but that Jay, as you know, is going to uncover a bunch of problems. It, it's no different than if I'm going five seconds slower than you go and I have I have my setup versus your setup, okay? C- to mm-hmm. go five seconds. Now, all of a sudden, I go four seconds slower than you. I go one second faster. I'm gonna uncover problems. Or, yeah, you have a bike that's five seconds better. I can't ride your setup because I'm going too slow. Like there's always something going on. So what uh, this crew chief Frankie said on Twitter basically was that, hey, We found something, and it's uncovered more problems, and we got to fix it. And the thing that was evident, I mean, from lap one with Mir's bike, and I haven't read anything, I haven't, you know, like, I don't know. I've been looking for a Mir interview. Dude, he got on the brakes, and that bike was so unstable. I mean, the thing was twitching and bouncing. It it was the ugliest-looking bike that was going into the corners that I saw on the racetrack. And, of course, we were really focused up front. And when he started to lose ground, I mean, I knew it. I could see it coming because— it was too much of a buck and Bronco to ride on the brakes. And Suzuki is not known for being unstable on, on the brakes. So they've uncovered some issues with that bike. and that. So now they're in that box, right? They're in that room. They're like, okay, great. We got a bike that can go down the straightaway. Now we've got to kind of keep refining it. We've done it electronically, they say. All the reports say that the connection between the throttle and the rear tire is exactly the way it felt last year, which is a huge step. So now it's a matter of how do we get this bike more stable with either what, I don't know, more speed, or how do we keep it turning? But yet, it's it's complicated, BotoGP, you know?
1: No, it is very complicated, and I think that when you see where Suzuki's at, they've got two healthy riders that came out of the first round. Everybody puts so much on this first round, but now the championship's really going to get going. I was beyond impressed with Spargro. Um, Spargro. The, the Aprilia looked amazing this weekend. All weekend long, he looked quick. 2.2 off the win, which I think is the closest that that bike has been to a victory. Um, Alicia Spargo rode really well. I had to crack up last night thinking of you. I saw Vinales' comments about how this bike doesn't really work for his riding style. And I'm like, is this guy kidding me right now? This guy has come out and said how great Aprilia is and it's the best bike. And I mean, you remember the, te- the I don't know what's going on with that guy, but Vinales is on another level. He ends up 12th. And he was over 20 seconds behind his teammate. So, um, you know, I think it's only a matter of time where they get two guys. That bike now, that bike and that brand have built themselves, Greg, to show that they are going to be competitive this year along with that KTM. Now, when you look at the, the big picture again, what a night for Ducati. Like when you really think about it, other than the win, obviously, by Bassanina, it was a complete fail. Miller has huge electronics issues. I watched his interview yesterday basically saying that the bike didn't know where he was on the racetrack. So essentially he's coming off the last corner and the bike thought he was coming out of like turn six or something. And he didn't have the acceleration that that you would have coming onto that front straightaway. He basically just said he pulled in because he was afraid of getting hit from behind. So Miller walks away from Doha again with nothing, which is just a shame. And then to see Bagnia actually make a mistake and clean out Jorge Martin, who admittedly said he didn't have the pace. Martin said on race tires, even after he qualified on pole, if you watched his interview, very subdued, was very like, I know I'm in trouble tomorrow type of thing because he was a half second off a lap, easy, um, and was going backwards. Falls into the clutches of Bagnia, who then cleans him out. So I I really got to look at it like, you know, you look at Bagnia and Martin and you look at Miller there's three bikes there, Greg, I think a lot of people thought are going to be there all the way to the end. And I know it's just the first race, but it's a blow to you when you go to that first race of the year, you walk out of there with no points and uh, and not a lot to hang your head high on. That's the issue, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really
0: matter at this point that you could say, well, there's still 20 races to go because it doesn't matter. Race two, you're going in, you're 25 points behind already. And it puts you, you it really does GP, you know what I mean? I mean, we saw it in world Superbike, but the Doha, we've said this before, Jay, many times Doha is like Daytona. It is a unique racetrack. A lot of the riders will tell you it's a unique racetrack that they go to. It's not a typical like Euro type track. And so I think people are happy, you know, to just like Miller had made a comment like, well, this was like no different from last year where I, you know, qualified back and just had a disaster of a weekend. So, he without without slamming the track itself he was like all right let's just we're out of here. It's like, well yeah, I mean go. there's just
1: certain places as a rider that you can love but you just don't ever really seem to get the result or the luck that you want to have there to try to, to get a result. And I think Doha is kind of that spot for Jack because he's so good as we know and if you watched it from the start his start was so bad and obviously something electronically wasn't working that well. Jorge Martín's start was horrendous. Begnaia's start was horrendous. So when you start to look at these guys and you think, what was the common denominator between those guys? um, All of them got horrendous starts. So something is going on there that I'm sure, you know, come Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, more stuff will come out about it. We're doing our podcast Monday morning right after. Um, But there's, you know, again, um, there's going to be some underlying issues. And you put it best. It definitely does something for a team's morale when you walk, the, the buildup for that first race is so big and then next thing you know, you walk out of there with nothing. And I just think that when you have a guy like Mark Marquez who after the race goes, hey, you know what, honestly, I'll take fifth place, I'll take these points, we'll go on to the next. If that guy starts thinking that way and gets his five, six wins, seven wins a year, but then is a kind of accepting of going like, I'm gonna take my thirds and my fourths, and you know what I mean. I just think that there's so many more people being thrown at him now that he's already big picture. You know, he even in his interview yesterday, he's like, ah, you know, it's, it's not my best. He's like, I'm not that happy, but for a race that maybe wasn't his best, he, he still comes out of there with fifth place points.
0: He understands how to win championships. I mean, that that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, you know, he, uh, he understands right. that. Hey, look, man, it's just a collection of points, and better take fifth place than sixth or a DNF, and that's really. You know, as long as that's exactly what's going on with Mark, and I think it is, and it's not like I just, you know, in his brain, he's not going, I wasn't really willing to take the risk here and slam on the ground, which is, you know, that's the beginning of the end for for some riders. As long as that's the case, and it really is about the front end of the motorcycle and and that feel that he needs, then, then great. You know, we could see, I mean, Honda's not scared to spend money and, and to develop these bikes. And we know that they have an unbelievable tester that's been developing these, and it's a new it's a new bike. I mean, what, what Paul was able to do... See, the question is, is what Pol Espargo was able to do. You can't just say, well, if he had a medium tire on the rear, everything would have been fine and he would have dominated. The the One of the reasons he was able to get away as he did was oh, because yeah. he had that soft rear tire on. Correct. So, it, you, you know,
1: people will make that argument, but it's like now there's but a like lot But like you said, though, it. Greg, but like you said, the data that he collected from that and the stuff that he was surprised that he learned during the race, it's going to pay dividends later on, you know? And I think that... Um, Paul Espargro, I, I couldn't believe I was putting Paul Spargo on my fantasy team, but I did. And and um, I just felt like the Hondas looked good. They looked solid in practice and qualifying, and I thought it was going to be good. Now, we'd be crazy to not talk about the world champ. Um, Fabio Aquataro comes home in ninth and as a good, solid, swift kick to the nuts. Gets passed at the line for eighth by Zarco, who... Also got a horrendous start. I mean, one point, Greg, Zarko was back in 17th and 18th place. And then he charged through everybody to get himself up to 8th and pass uh, Quattararo at the line. I'll tell you, Greg, it looks like Yamaha are in for a a rough one this year. Everybody made that step um, during the offseason. It seems like everybody's made a step. We saw Quattararo really struggle at Portimao. We saw him struggle at Valencia after he'd wrapped up the championships last year. And you got to feel for him a little bit. The Yamaha still looked didn't really look any different did it I mean it didn't look any different than last year there there might might have been some changes but you have Quattararo ends up 10 seconds back and then you have another six seconds behind him is Morbidelli and Dovey was 27 seconds behind the winner so Dovey was still some 17 seconds behind Quattararo and ends up Vizioso finishing 14th so a couple questions number one I mean Yamaha have to be going away from there scratching their head. And I was thinking about this last night. Do you think Dovey lasts a full year on that bike?
0: Boy, oh, boy. I mean, I, I I think so unless somebody with Yamaha ties for some reason shows some speed and they, they think so. I mean. I just, I'm throwing it out there. I was thinking to myself. I mean, I mean Rossi did, like, right? And Rossi had a but,
1: miserable year. I mean, I I But guess. I'm just sitting there going, why is Dovey? I can't. He got off the best bike, you know, and commentators yesterday talking about a track, you know, for, for Dovey, Qatar's like, um, he's, like a, he's like a track ace there. And I'm like, well, maybe when he was on the Ducati, he was, you know. Yeah, it's different ride it, it's, style, different power different delivery. It's everything now. And you
0: know, the, the, the problem, Jason, with Yamaha is, is that you know, I read on, I don't even know, there was a headline on um, Crash.net, I think. Of a quote from one of the riders, I think it was probably Quattrarolo. Like, don't panic yet. It's like, don't panic yet. What the only thing that you can do to that bike <clears throat> at this point to make it go faster is arrow.
1: I mean, that the motors are frozen. Like that. That's it. You know. Oh Unless yeah, you're you... done. You're you are done there. Yeah. Yeah. So did you did was... you see his other quote when someone said, you know, um, they asked him basically what's wrong. He goes, nothing's wrong. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, no, it was like, yeah, he was. <laughs> He was walking by someone and yep. in the pits or whatever after, and he goes, "What went wrong?" And he's like, "Nothing, <laughs> everything yeah. was right." That's I rode as hard as I could to. What did he finish? Eighth, ninth, ninth, ninth at
1: the end, I think. Zarco, it was funny in Zarco's interview. End, he he he's all he's grinning like he almost felt guilty going by the Yamaha, and you know it's it's got to be frustrating. And and again, qualifying is so key, and you got to look at those tracks, Greg, where. The run to the first turn will be a beneficial run to the first turn for Quattoraro to try to get to the front because I just think passing is going to be a big problem for him again this year. And there's only so much that you can do. He's also in a contract year, isn't he? I think he's in a contract year where they're already starting to ask him. Almost what are everybody, plans for almost the, following the entire year.
0: paddock is in a contract year. Obviously, Pecco resigned.
1: Wow, It's amazing. But it's so gonna be a crazy year this year. It's it's gonna be pretty wild how the whole thing works out uh MotoGP doesn't disappoint let's get on to real quick greg discuss the results from moto 2 i don't know if you want did you get to watch it i did watch that race yes yeah uh it was it was interesting um i think everybody was expecting a huge battle at the front celestino vietti did not get that message he goes <laughs> and wins by 6.1 seconds i mean just smoked everybody on the new Mo- mooney vr 46 team uh over aaron Canet, who rode a really good race Canet ends up second Sam Lowe's ends up third after your boy, I agree, got, got into Fernandez in the last corner and bumped Fernandez, Augusto Fernandez back to fourth. Got into, got into Fernandez. Yeah, what are did he you talking about? It? Got into dude, he
0: crashed. The, and then know, he lost the front Fernandez completely. and it saved him. So him. bad, by the way. So bad. Did you did you watch
1: Sam Lowe's post race interview? Uh yeah, Sam Lowe's was like, I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. I hope I hope Agar is okay. He's like, yeah, he finished uh, just a couple spots behind you, Sam. Listen,
0: I, I like I like what Simon Crafar, like the, how he adds from the pits and stuff, but yeah, and I know the way Dorna is one question and you got to go. But Simon should have been listening to him and said, Sam, Aygora did not crash. He hit he hit Fernandez and saved it and finished sixth. Because I would have loved to have seen Sam's reaction. Because if Correct. you think about as a racer, if you think about his field of view, he's got those two guys in front of him. He sees I literally gone. I mean, he he Correct. loses the front and he's gone. And Sam turns his head and looks through the corner. All the rest of it that we saw, he has zero clue about. And he said it twice, Jay. He said, "Oh," I son- he and then I he said at the it. end, "I hope I's okay." And I was like, "Come on, Simon, say something. Yeah, you know, say I agree something with you. like." Yeah, but anyway, whatever. I mean, that those are little I, things in it, live TV heat of the moment, whatever. But If
1: you go back and you watch that, that accident or that incident with Iagura and you see how committed he is to still getting down the straightaway, the front's gone and he's still looking down the track. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah. It's coming back. It's coming back. And then he ran into the back of Fernandez and, you know, ends up. But, you know, Sam Lowe said something really great. He's like, I got a bit lucky today, but I've thrown a few of these away myself and given places <laughs> to people. And I'm like, too true, you know? And Yeah, 100%. Um, <clears throat> but... He, uh, Augusto Fernandez in fourth, Arbolino fifth, the previous mentioned, Agura ends up sixth. Navarro, and then we got our guys, Joe Roberts and Cam Beaubier were just locked in this battle with Navarro for most of it. At the end, Navarro and Roberts break away from Cam from just a couple of seconds. <clears throat> I haven't got to I haven't got to hear from those guys yet. I haven't got to even see really what they said. But I thought it was a pretty positive outcome for Joe and Cam. Both writers end up in the top ten opening race of the season, Um, 15, 17 seconds back, 15, 270 seconds back. I know it's a little further back than they'd like to be, Greg. Um, They were only five seconds. Well, Joe was only five seconds off the podium. Uh, Sam Lowe's ending up 10 seconds back. So what, what did you take away from Cam and Joe's first weekend of the year? Cam got a good start. He got good positioning off
0: the start. I watched it very closely. He was up the inside, you know, where he should have been. Uh, as you, you know, we we talked a lot about um, Pedro Acosta, you know, and, and him and everybody thought he was going to win the race and all that kind of stuff. But he got a bad start and got hung out on the outside. Cam was just one or two bike lengths ahead of all that. So that I liked. My concern right now for Cam is he ran as high as seventh for a while in that battle you were talking about, but then faded towards the end. So it's about setup. I, I don't know what Cam said, but I know Cam well enough to know it had nothing to do with fitness. I think it just has to do probably with tire. And that's the thing that they've got to work on, get this tire to the end of the race. Mm-hmm. I think Doha's Doha. I think Cameron can show some speed. He knows in speaking with him that he should be right there with Aaron Kinnett because those two ended up together at the end of last season a lot and Iogura. So Cam knows that he should be up with those guys based on what happened last season. So I, I would think that Cameron is okay with it because he went straight into P two and was comfortably in our Q two. I mean, he went straight yeah, into Q two. Yeah, really good. Was comfortable in Q two in terms of like it wasn't like he was on the bubble. I think he was what ninth maybe go, or eleventh, and they did yeah. fourteen. So yeah. he was in there. So so that is a step. I think that you know I would like to see Cameron make a bigger step. You know, and when we go to these next couple rounds, especially when we get back to Europe, because if Cameron, I think, can grab some podiums towards the end of the season,
1: I think we'll see Bobier go right into MotoGP. that oh, it'd be interesting to see how that works out. I mean, don't and we can't discredit Joe either. Obviously, Joe put I think put a great ride together. Eighth place. Um, I know it's not where he wants to be, but both those guys were battling. They had Navarro to deal with the whole race. Marcel Schroder with a broken hand came up to finish tenth, just behind them. Um, and then we have Jake Dixon, who was quick. Acosta, who, that was the storyline coming in. Acosta was the big, big storyline. In fact, when you look at the MotoGP weekend in a whole, everybody was kind of expecting it to be kind of like a Bagnia, uh Acosta, Faggio, um, you know, per race, uh, as far as MotoGP 2 and 3, and it didn't work out that way. Acosta ended up getting pushed wide early and was almost dead last, Greg, as they went into turn two, and he fought his way back to 12th. Albert Arenus, Alcoba, and Fanati ends up with the final point. Um, you know, talk about clean, SDK. We gotta talk about SDK. Well, that's right. I was I literally was just saying SDK, if you saw his post, was got through the first race, just wanted to finish all the laps. And he wasn't by himself, Greg. I mean, the good thing was is SDK ended up fighting with uh, Zonta van den Gorberg, who I wonder if if uh that's a second generation rider, because I believe his. Oh, dad. it is. Yeah, yeah. No, no. His it dad is, is, is Jürgen. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jürgen. Is it Maddie- Jürgen? Jürgen? Yep. Wow. that's yep. So crazy. It's his pops. Yep. And then Nico Antole- Nico Antonelli was back there uh, with SDK also. When I say back there, they were about fifty six seconds back, Greg, of the winner. Um, but but SDK has got that year ahead of him right now, where he gets to go to all these cool places, learn all these great racetracks, um, try to continue to keep making that jump, and. With every person that you kind of beat, every person you move forward through, uh, you're going to see the next guy that you've read about or seen on TV or whatever. And I think that for SDK, um, it's just going to be that kind of thing where he can just chip away at it this year. There'll be tracks that really suit him, and there'll be tracks that he probably doesn't care for. But either way, he's going to get a chance to see them all.
0: Yeah, and that's the one thing people don't get caught in the trap. SDK, this is a learning year. His team 100%. has said this is a learning year. It's about getting him at 19. Now I think he's just getting ready to turn 20 or just turn 20. Getting him there. you know, Getting mm-hmm. him to Moto2 Moto, moto two and getting him used to it because it's not the easiest jump going from U.S. tracks on the U.S. Dunlops on a super sport bike into Moto2. Right. But that, So it's a learning year for him. And he's got good people around him he's got Bobier who's willing to help. You know, we've seen a couple of those guys. I think Gerloff and Bobier and Joe and those guys hang out a little bit. You know, I mean, they do live, live separate lives, but more people are moving to that that was it uh, such Cecius uh, area uh, yeah. just outside of Barcelona where Cam lives is what I've what I've seen. So, I, I think um, you know, it's the experience. I mean, sdk has been to Europe before he understands it, but now this is his first time I think, you know, without his parents as an adult or whatever doing it. Yeah. So, it's important that he he gets the entire experience, and that's part of what Bobier said. Bobier said, "Look, there's all the stuff on the bike, but now I feel comfortable just like I did in the states." He was like, "Dude, I know exactly what hotel to rent. You know, to to get. I know what rental car. I know the 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 time from yeah. the airport to the like. I know everything. I know the places to
1: eat. I know everything in the states. So now that's one year of doing that. It's gonna be a second year. So there'll be places now he'll go back to, and he'll be more familiar with. And that's the part. That's the part of traveling around Europe that's actually really neat, though, because You'll find so many cool things that are going on over there that you can just go and do. And and once you kind of get your feet in the ground and you learn about that, and SDK's already got that experience, like you say. So he's not alone, which is good. In Moto3, Greg, I did watch it too. Uh, heartbreaker. It, I only saw highlights. But. Oh, man. It, it it was horrible for Tetsuki Suzuki, who ends up... Um, I'm sorry. It wasn't Suzuki, was it? it was Sasaki, I believe. Sasaki, Hold yeah. A- yeah, Sasaki. A- it, I thought I was going to get that wrong for a second, but I, I did get it wrong. Sasaki, yeah. So Sasaki ends up getting on pole, watched him get pole, ends up um, literally running away. Guy had, guy was gone. and Three,
0: three and a half seconds, I think. Right?
1: He was gone. Yeah, I mean, by yeah. Moto3 standards, he was gone. And the worst part about it was we don't really know exactly what happened. We saw a video of him almost getting high sided out and they said that that could have caused it and it could have. But the problem is, Greg, is if that st- if that had started to come loose, if you saw how on the left side of the bike his fairing was dragging. And had if that had come loose and he went into that tight left, that could have been the reason he almost got high sided out. So I'm not exactly sure what came first there. If he got high sided uh, This in the- morning I read mechanical, off. Jay. Like, it was a mechanical. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know I don't know anybody
0: who says fairings of a little it well, might have been something else. It's so hard to say because they they alluded, and lifts. you
1: could even hear Simon say that the Moto 3 bikes have so many components that they've tried to make them so so much lighter that some of the durability of those might not be as good as it should. And but it's kind of weird. I've never seen somebody high side so hard where they pull the you know where they break uh, the the uh, bodywork. That said, it could happen. I could see definitely how that could happen. But my concern more. Was that um, maybe he drugged the bodywork, and that's what caused him to have a big moment? Because it didn't look like he was having very many big moments up to then. Andrew Mino comes through to win the race over Sergio Garcia, who was penalized earlier in the race for his first lap. I don't know incidental contact. If you did, you I don't know if you saw that, Greg. But, yeah, whatever. Um, man. They, I mean, they even have graphics now
0: that that are going to tell you if there's a warning, if there's a penalty. Oh, if it, you know it what I mean, wears like, me whatever. out it, it I mean, literally the fact that it makes its way into the graphics package means it's here to stay so, you know so now you have the pylon there. which is what we call that left hand you know side of the yeah. screen where all the yeah. everybody's stacked and so now on the left side of the name they're even using that space to identify oh to just got track limit. Or, yeah, yeah track, track limit stuff.
1: warnings it's just it's yeah it's it does where it's you cool it i mean, mean it's good anyways.
0: information for all of us but the fact that it's all now integrated into the system means it's not going anywhere
1: yeah. Okay. So you got Mino Garcia Toba, good run for Toba. Anchu ends up fourth. McPhee ends up fifth. One second back. Then you had how about this guy? Diago uh Moreira? I forgot how they're saying his name. Um rookie. I mean Moreira, yeah. Moreira. Yeah, anyways. I
0: I our, I our apologies I to the, all the Brazilian fans out there.
1: Well, what's great is he's a rookie, Greg. The kid was up front the whole time. He ends up 1.4 off. And, you know, uh, Vinales actually picked this guy. Um, Maverick Vinales actually picked him to win the championship. He's like, the kid's that good. Which is, hey, man, kid came out firing, didn't he? Faggio, who had to come from the back because of two, not one, Greg. But before the start of the race, he got dinged with two uh, long lap penalties. I didn't see it for the reasons because I didn't get to watch qualifying for Moto3 but Uh, there was two guys that got dinged two laps another guy got dinged one lap so Faggio got dinged two so he worked his way back from you know essentially the back of this grid to end up seventh Guevara ends up eighth uh yamanaka uh xavier artigas ends up 10th so i think when you look at this again um everybody had already kind of like said is gonna win everything this the, the crazy part about Moto3 is all these young kids, they just get better and better as they go, and none of them are scared. So I I personally think that Garcia is going to be a problem this year. if You, know, you and I didn't really get to do our preseason picks um, of who we thought might win Moto2 and Moto3, but I got Garcia winning it this year if I had to choose. Um, he's aggressive. He's young. Third year. Good team. Um, so we'll see how that ends up. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun to watch Moto3 as we
0: keep an eye on that. All right, Jay, let's move over to Fantasy because MotoGP Fantasy, the Greg's Garage pod with Jason Pridmore is our league. And Jay, uh, first of all, thanks to everyone out there. I mean, we have nearly 300 people, 295 people is the time we're talking about, Jay that are involved in in the league and most of those people jumped on board within hours of of the uh, of the league closing for the first time because I think it, it closes once qualifying starts. As soon as qualifying starts for MotoGP, you can't add picks or change picks. There is a uh, there's a slight modification that we didn't talk about last week that I didn't know about until kind of midway through the week when I saw a post of it last year so you have you have four riders and you have a manufacturer that you pick. You have two on gold, two on silver. Your gold are 100% points, your silver are half points. And your manufacturer, I think Jay, like you were saying, is the first two riders points I think together. So, yeah, two riders. Yep. Uh, now yep. last riders. year you, last year you could only change one, one rider or the manufacturer. That was it. Now you're up to two. You're allowed to change two in uh in in, in each week. So that's going to add add a nice element to it. Uh, hats off to JR. Twelve Racing from Canada. Got to be Jack Roach. It's got to be Jack Roach from Canada. He put like yeah, Canada? that's where he's from. Maybe. All right. If, it's got to be Jack. I thought he's from the. I thought he's from the UK. So Jack Roach he is, if that's he is you, English, but yeah, he lives, yeah. He lived up in Canada and. and, 115 and a half points, dude. But yes, there's three turbo there's, boosts, three yeah. in twenty-one races, and he already used one. So I already used one. Okay. So I'm gonna go really. So that's a fake first place right now. I'm sorry. That's fake first. <laughs> it is first, technically. But Take it. Tennessee Take it, Jed run for it. Yep. Yeah, Tennessee Jed comes out with 108. Uh, T probes two with 106. And I hate to say it, but um, Jeff Wheel from Ari, the guy who continuously supports oh, this podcast no. oh, and no. is putting up this Corsair X. Yes. So if you win this league, you win a Corsair X. He's P four, dude. Oh. P four
1: right out of the gate. Well, I was getting text messages. I was getting them all week. Um, Looks like Andrew is 12th, Andrew Lee. And we know Anthony, 13th, I think 13th. um, Who else we got? We got, I I was looking at this yesterday. It's so fun because there's so many people that are. are, Who's Puckered Raisin? That's a a clever name. That is Puckered Raisin in ninth. Um, Swiss Biz in eighth. I hate it. I hate it. But Caroline is 28th. She doesn't even know anything about this. She's super sick. Has had COVID, hasn't been well. Been and she's like, I, I don't even know how to do this. She's like, so she just picked guys and yeah. She's twenty eighth. I was by 56. the way, whoever's in I thirty, whoever's yeah, whoever's whoever's
0: in in uh, thirty one place as a KTM. Yeah, yeah, a KTM. You are you need therapy because obviously you can't pick. You're 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 just torn. <laughs> you're very. torn. What about
1: couldn't last year? Couldn't shitty-its? you go on the after shitty-its? the race? After the race, couldn't you go on and um, uh, look at people's picks? Wasn't there a way for me to like, yeah, that's, track, that, now you yeah, can't do
0: it? You, you can't do it right now. I don't know why, you, but yes, you did, could. Did you
1: see who's 47th?
0: No, who's 47th. You're going to love it. Hold on. I mean, I'm it's true. Just, it's absolutely just the up. truth. By the way, I'm 92nd, but that's fine. Nice work. Who's 42nd? 47th. Oh forty seventh, JP and Greg hold
1: hands. <laughs> yep. Bravo. It's true. Yep. Bravo. Very, very good. So Kyle Wyman got ahead of me, and Raj got ahead of me during qualify. Um, during the race, I don't know how. I, well, I do know how. Listen, I'm your, fine. Your boy I had. Bagnia I took out.
0: Took out t- my t- guy. Tell me who you had, because I'll tell you. I had Marquez and Mir as gold, and I had Rins and Pol Spargro as silver, and I had <laughs> Suzuki as a manufacturer. And the reason you, I had to do that. Was when I took Ducati, like there just wasn't enough You're money to budget. spend. Yeah, I got, it was
1: over budget, so it's pretty weird how we do this. But I had Marquez, mm-hmm. I had Marquez and Martin or Marte, sorry, Marquez and Rins as my uh, dude. You and gold. your Rins, man. You I love know, I suffering through that guy. Drives me fuck. Drives me nuts. Jeez. I had Jorge Martin and Paul Spargo as my silver, and then I had Honda as my uh, as my manufacturer.
0: All right, so we're 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 pretty. Anyways, we're but. on our
1: way. First round of the year is out of the way. Um, Come join us. Come join us. Great yeah, fun.
0: pod with you. Really yeah, uh, and plus there's some social media posts if you need the code to get in. But we nearly have 300 people. It's going to be great. And if you just missed the first one of the season, that doesn't mean much because obviously no, yeah, if Jack Roach is Jack Roach. That dum dum, he used one of his uh, <laughs> one of his turbos in, in race one. I mean, it might prove to be a strategy if it's hey, it's running a soft done. tire is what Jack did. He threw on a soft tire and said, "I'm going to try to get away and then let people catch me to the end of the season." Who Good for him. Yeah, yeah. It'll, It'll be interesting. You,
1: I wonder who he had. I wonder who he turboed. Probably Marquez or something. But
0: that's that, what I want to know too. Who did he turbo? Yeah, we don't. Who did really you waste really that know, turbo so. on? Because if he wasted it on on Ania Bastianini, then tip of a cap. You you see,
1: Uncle Uncle Skip's league, that the one where we have to draft everybody. Yeah, that worked out good for me. I ended up getting Bastianini as as I was the ninth pick. I got Bastianini. Well, that was the
0: thing. We were texting. I was trying to find your text, and I was gonna screen grab it and post it because somewhere in our text thread, watching Supercross, you were like, "I feel pretty good with Bastianini in ninth." You were in ninth. I did not him being ninth, but you were in ninth place in this rotating pool. Yeah, I, I didn't
1: mind it. It's going to be interesting, that, to see how the whole thing goes down and works. It'll be fun. So, Greg, we are on our way Wednesday. I don't know how I'm going to get there because i got a lot going on. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. I catch my plane. But anyways, I'm going to be there. Wednesday, we take off for Daytona for the Moto America Daytona 200. I'm excited to get there. I think that when it we look— It is not—hold on. It's not the forecast. Moto America
0: Daytona 200. It's well, just the Daytona
1: 200. okay. I'm working for Moto right. America. I'm going down there with Moto America. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so the Daytona well, there 200. What are Moto America races. Yes. Uh, I'm excited about getting down there. I think this is a good move for, the, for this race uh, to try to get some nostalgia back in it. By looking at the grid for this race, uh, when we started to kind of breeze through it last weekend, um, we have so many people from so many different countries. We have so many people that um, are regulars of our championship that have chose to get down there and, and do it. There's going to be a few people that aren't going to be there, that that of course. But I think the 200 this year has probably got more hype built into it than we've seen in the past, and I'm ex- I'm expecting a good race, uh, providing, providing, providing that we can just get some good weather. It looks like the weather could be a bit iffy, like you told me before we started the podcast, and um, you know I just want to get down there and have a good time.
0: All right, let's take this to the next next level for the Daytona 200 because Jason. Uh tire wars are on. Okay. Yep. Yep. So the big the big the big news I think is is that the attack performance Yamaha team. So it is, obviously, we've told you Jake Ganya and Cameron Peterson are going to be riding. R6 is prepared by Richard Stamboli's attack team. It is not the same team, obviously, that their superbike team is. And it's open tire war. Jay, they're riding on Pirelli's. Yep. So Jake Gagne, Cameron Peterson on Pirelli's. I've also heard that Jeff May will be on yep. Pirelli's as well as Sam Lockoff. Now, it looks like your Dunlop riders are going to be Josh Heron, uh, Josh Hayes, uh, Richie Escalante, you know, a couple other people. I don't know what Eslick's going to be on, on the Triumph. I don't know what Posh is going to be on, on the Triumph. Yep. But, you know, I got to think the that Posh thing, is going
1: to be on Pirelli's. I,
0: I didn't think he so win it on Pirelli's? Yeah, I believe he did. Yeah, yep. I know he did because Dunlop hasn't won the 200 in a couple of years, uh, even though they have a new rear tire specifically for this race. So very interesting. Uh, We're going to talk about it more in the, in the broadcast for the Daytona 200 about Stamboli's deal. But I did talk to Richard, Richard J. And one thing Richard told me that I could say is part of the incentive for them to run Pirelli's was in testing. They just, you know, when they tested, they were, they had more tires to test in the time that they had to test, but dangling out there, if, Attack wins the championship if whatever the name of the team is called, the fresh and lean, uh, progressive Yamaha team, wins the championship this year, then whoever wins that championship, for Richard, they're putting that superbike in a crate and shipping it over to World Superbike to do Portimao, and yeah. of course those are Pirelli tires. So there is some incentive that goes just beyond the Daytona Two Hundred. But I did speak with the head of Dunlop Racing, Mike Buckley. And he told me that you know what, Moto America is control tire, Jay. Okay, and yep, they like it like that. But he likes competition more. Buckley's been around, as you know, a long time. He was during you know around during the Jim era, Jim Allen era, yep. and they love competition. Competition breeds you know Better all kinds of incentives, yeah. performance, innovation, all that kind of stuff. So. Anyway, it's going to be very interesting to see how that all works out, because the Pirelli tire, I think, has won the Daytona 200 at least the last couple of years, uh, if not more than that. And so Dunlop, and then there's I believe there's also going to be a rider in there on Michelins, a rider or two, and Bridgestone. So we'll talk about tire wars in there. But Jason, Josh Heron, Ducati, Josh Hayes, Yamaha, Kevin Almeida is in the mix, Jake Gagne, Sam Lockoff on the Suzuki. Cameron Peterson, again, Yamaha. Richie Escalante now on a Suzuki 600. Danny Eslick, Triumph. Brandon Posh, last year's winner, Triumph. Hayden Gillum, GSXR 600. Jeff May, GSXR 600. Chris Paris, I think I'd throw in there. You have guys that still can show some speed, like Carl Soltis, Max Angles. But of the people that I mentioned, what do you think? How big do you... I'm not asking you for a winner because to ask for a winner in Daytona 200 is ridiculous. What I am asking you is... How big do you think that this lead pack is going to be considering we haven't seen anybody turn a lap yet. We have no idea how fast the Ducati's actually going to be after right. they
1: load maps into it and all that kind of stuff. What do you think? You're going to have at least 10 or 12 guys at the lead group to start the race for sure. Um, it depends, you know. You have a couple teammates here. Lockoff and Escalante, Gagne and Peterson. Do they all work together to get try to get away from the pack? I just don't think it's going to be viable the first Half of this race, we generally will see guys that could be up to a second and a half off in qualifying. When the race starts, Daytona has a way of dragging you around the bankings, and you can stay there within that 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 lead group. Um, Where it becomes super key, where we don't see this at any other race that we do, are the in laps and the out laps. So you've got to continue to push all the way to the time you get to pit lane, Um, and then you got to get that bike slowed down for the pit lane speed when you come onto that pit lane. Uh, And it's very difficult to do at Daytona. I mean, to get your brain around the idea that you're going six-gear pin through and around the banking and coming down off the banking onto what would be pit lane. And you're still doing it wide open. And then all of a sudden you get to where you have to have the bike slowed down. There's going to be a lot of... um, It'll be interesting to be down there to watch that uh, at the end of that pit lane. But... The teams, this is where they become so important. And I think it's outstanding that Moto America has put together a team challenge for pit stops uh, on Friday, like you said. It'll be fun for us to see, and I think it'll be a big tell, Greg, of the guys that you will be able to go to the front. It's almost like if you had to pick your team based off of what you might see Friday night in the pit stops, it could be a big thing. So then you got to look at the attack team and you got to look at the M4 team. Two teams that are going to be able to do great pit stops. Teams like TSE who have been around, they're going to do great pit stops. Um, so I think when you look at it, it, it comes down to those guys, how well they're going to work together with pit stops and things like that. It's going to be the key. Outlaps. It's going to be fun to watch. Outlaps.
0: Outlaps. Outla- yeah. And you know what, Jay? It's really interesting because we're going to be, over the course of this podcast, we're going to be talking to um, a guy who knows a lot about tire warmers and stuff. Uh, Captain. Yeah this guy, uh, Greg. And um, part of what we're going to talk about is, yeah, we're going to talk about, we were talking about this exact deal. As you know, Jason, the outlap in the Daytona 200 is so important. So when you come in for your pit stop and then you take off, it's that first lap when you get going, if you can lose a lot of seconds there, if you tiptoe around and how important tire warmers are these days to make sure that as a team, you want to try to pull those tire warmers off as late as you possibly can and then throw them on a bike and be, I think, as close to pit exit as you can pit because you want to have those tires. Because if you, if you do it way on the on the entrance of pit lane and then you, you've got to cruise at 60 kilometers an hour or whatever it is, 50 mile an hour, 60K, whatever it is. And then all the while your tires are cooling down. So like it's where you're gonna pit is gonna be strategically important in terms of those two out-of-the-pit outlaps that you do. At least at least two, I think. I mean, I don't know yeah, if there's too, a team like that can saying. do the two hundred. It's gotta be two, right? So it's that be that'll two. be really, really fun to do. And that broadcast is two and a half hours. It that Daytona two hundred is gonna air live on um moto america live plus and it'll also air tape delayed same day on mav tv plus in some other spots all around the world so check your local listings but there's more in actually moto america jason the auto parts for less moto america series we have twins cup and we have mission king of the baggers that are points paying rounds in that twins cup entries we talked about it. 46 entries it's unbelievable loaded should with be an talent. insane race yep yeah, loaded with talent and, and king of the baggers up to 18 entries this time. You have Kyle Wyman, your defending champ, Travis Wyman, Corey West, Frankie Garcia. You have Tyler Raspoli, is in there, Taylor yep. Knapp is come. Bobby Fong is on the Roland Sands design bike. That one looks good. Uh, Eric Stahl is back. Shane Narbone, as I'm sure you remember wow. Shane from a couple yep. of years ago, yep. Massachusetts boy. Or, yeah, he's he's back in the mix. Patricia Fernandez is racing. Jeremy McWilliams of MotoGP fame. Crazy. Your yeah. boy, Andrew Lee. Hawk Mazat is back at it. So there's a ton of talent that are loaded into that. But I don't want to discount also, Jay, there's a Super Hooligans race. 25 entries in that one. That's that Roland Sands race. And there's a couple really fast guys in that one, too. Nate Kern is in it. Uh, Corey West. Tyler O'Hara is in the mix in that one, as well. You have uh, your boy, Rennie Skaysbrook, from wow, Australia. Yeah, really. Yeah, right. Renny's Renny's racing uh, a in Super Hooligans. He's racing an, an Indian Chief. They're totally different bikes. They're not. I don't yeah, think, they're yeah. not baggers. Uh, Andy Debrino, who's been ripping around, he's on a ripping. KTM 890 Duke. He's you know been on his way. Sh- uh Shalane is in the race, and so there's a ton of talent. Some names I didn't mention in the in all three of it's those. It's going to be fun. So
1: all the all the classes should be really fun to watch. I mean, again, yep. you know the bagger thing to me, as you know, I, it hasn't quite like. With me, got me extremely excited. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get there. Only because, remember when Moto E started? It was like, oh yeah, Moto E. Yeah, yeah. But what Moto what e drew was. us to Moto E? All the names, all the people, all the like the the kind of and, and that's kind of what this is doing to me now. Like we're starting to get there, and we're gonna like by all accounts. I've talked to Kyle, and he got to within like two seconds on his bagger that he did on his superbike around. Indy Motorsports. I think it's like two and a half seconds or something crazy, right? Wow. And when you think about that, you're like, well, that's pretty impressive. Like the technology that these guys are putting into these bikes. I expect the factory Harleys and the factory Indians to just be a little bit of a step up above everything. I'm hoping that the Vance and Heinz bikes can be close. And I'm hoping that, you know, you see uh, other riders that are going to be there. And you hope that the bikes are going to be close so that they can at least try to do something with those front running guys. The Hooligans Race... Will be more of me learning more about that, but the Twins Cup race, Greg. I'll be honest; they got two races down there, and I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, I think that there's going to be fifteen guys that are going to be in that lead draft at the start of that. I don't see anybody really being able to break away at that place. No, and the so, fact that <clears throat> there's
0: been some serious development done over the year on the um, the R seven, yeah, the R seven, the MTO seven, sure. the, the FCO seven. It's all the same same platform. But there are there's a lot of Yamaha's in the field. There are, you know, quite a few. What what we're seeing is the class used to be dominated initially by the Suzuki SV650. Yep. Now, the SV650 is just slipping. I mean, I think there's only like maybe five or six of those in there, and it's yep. all Yamahas and Aprilias now, and it makes a lot of sense. But Twins Cup should be really good. The talent is is unreal. I mean, you have Caleb DeCarroll obviously carrying the number one plate. You have Trevor Standish, uh, Jackson Blackman in the mix. Corey Ventura is there on an MP13 racing. Hayden, Hayden Schultz is in the mix i mean teague hobbs ben glotti i mean dude it's just i could just keep going and going and going down the list and these names keep popping out at you and you're just like you got to be kidding me i mean there's so many riders gus rodeo is is now there as well yeah it's like dude this is crazy it's going to be great race that'll be on moto america live plus okay so if you're looking for the hooligans in the twins Cup cup Go to Mode America, get the Live Plus app. It's totally worth any money you spend. There's so much good content over the the course of this season. And of course, compared to last year, I think it's the same price, but now you're getting two extra races. You're getting Daytona 200 and you're getting our 10th race uh, in Mode America this year where we had nine the last two years. Um, The baggers race will be on Fox Sports. I don't know if one or two yet, but if you're looking for the baggers race, it'll be same day coverage, a little bit delayed for us, both Saturday or Friday and Saturday. So again, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday race weekend because Sunday is a just in case rain day down in Daytona. We do not race in the rain at super speedway courses. It just doesn't happen. It's too dangerous. No, nope. no,
1: nope. And it's good that we don't do that. I, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to ride Daytona in a pouring rain long time ago. It wasn't the funnest thing in the world. So <clears throat> it'll be, uh, you know, let's hope that we don't have to use that rain day. Um, but if we do, it's there, and and uh, and we'll you know we'll be there for it. So,
0: all right, Jay, let's talk some Supercross. Unless you have something else you want to talk about there.
1: No, I was just going to say we we've already kicked off kind of Bike Week with racing
0: down there, haven't we? We certainly have, and that was Supercross. And what an atmosphere, Jason! Holy crikey! I mean, the atmosphere down there. You know, I think uh, Tomac said after the race it was like Redbud, which is gnarly. And and if you saw the video that Weigant posted up. Of, like the jailbreak at you know the podium, people rolling out of the stands, coming across the speedway and and flooding the podium. It was pretty gnarly. But in the end, it was Eli Tomac who chases down Cooper Webb and Chase Sexton in third, Dylan Ferrandis, Justin Barsha, Marvin Moosgan, Ken Roxon, Malcolm Stewart in eighth place, Jason Anderson ninth. They didn't actually finish like that on the racetrack. However, they got penalized for the two of them got together again. I mean, the the Christmas cards are not going to be flowing between those two anytime soon. But they got together, went down, picked the bikes up, and they rolled like off the racetrack and gained an advantage, according to AMA. So they got penalized one spot each, I believe. But Jason, I was, <laughs> I was watching the race, but I was actually on a conference call at the same time until yeah. 1230 East. So I think what I saw was Cooper Webb leading and Eli Tomac just started reeling him in, reeling him in. But I didn't see the pass for the lead. So tell us what happened. Basically,
1: basically, McElrath was trying to get out of the way, and he got in the way of Cooper Webb uh, as they came up through the whoops and little. I think it was like like a little double right after the whoops, and um, in his bid to try to get out of the way of Cooper Webb, he actually got right in the way of him. So Tomac was able to get through. Um, now Tomac's bike was starting to overheat. That was what was crazy. Is like sort of with three or four to go, you could see smoke coming off the bike, and um, uh, but. You know, they were kind of saying, you know, this is probably Ricky Ricky was and Lee Diffie were talking about, this is probably when you put a, a board out just saying, take your second place and go from there. And I was laughing because I'm thinking to myself, this guy's going for win number six right now. Yeah. And yeah. there ain't no way he's, there's no way he's pulling over to try to not pass Cooper Webb. But he did have something there that worked for him in the sense that Macrath just got in the way. Um, I think... When you look at the overall race do, do you think he would have won anyway? Do you think, like, do you think I do. He, I do. Yeah. I just feel like he would have. I okay. don't think that... He was closing it down, Greg. It was there. I think Tomac would have won anyways. Um, Cooper Webb, though, this is kind of his time of the year. He kind of gets start, starts to shine a little bit when this when the championship starts going back east, as we know. So it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on. Chase Sexton did a great job, ending up third. Ferrandis who you and I talked about, he was my pick in fantasy. Ferrandis, he was like a six handicap. It was a no-brainer because like even you said last week that... Outdoor champion, this and that. It it kind of would suit him. He ended up fourth. Barsha fifth. Mooseon. Roxon, who just to me looks done. I, unless he's hurt. I don't know what's going on with him exactly. Stuart Anderson and Dean Wilson end up top ten. Stuart Anderson thing to me, you kind of wonder, Greg, did they really get did they really get penalized for did they really get penalized for like running along the racetrack or did they get penalized just for semantics? I, I personally I was really pulling for for Jason Anderson this year to win the championship. I think coming off, you know, a championship in the past, jumping to a different team. I thought, you know, but man, he's kinda turned into that guy that can't go by people without running into him. Like I don't I I have no problem with aggressive racing. I have no problem with it. But again, it kinda goes back to there's one common denominator every weekend right now who always seems to run into people. Does it not seem that way to you or am I just not seeing something? No, he
0: definitely has run into more people than Malcolm, but it just—it—it it just seems like those two have got some type of magnet together at the moment. And the—the the problem is not the penalty, Jay. The problem is now Tomac has got what—it's two hundred three to one eighty-five over Anderson. No, it's that—that's yeah. it's—it's these penalty—it's these getting knocked down. Jason has a speed to win races, but he's getting into Malcolm or other people, and and he's getting knocked down. But he's doing it every weekend. That's what I'm he's saying. He's doing it every, it every just, weekend. But it's just I don't, and the problem is, is that when Jason was back in the pack, we didn't see him very often. Now he's showcased. So was he, has he been doing that, or well, is this something new for him? Where because if he's doing it, then it's a desperate lunge, right? It's like all these desperate moves, like I got to get there, I got to get there. And that's the, no, way, no way to win a championship.
1: It's the second corner of a long, long race at Daytona, a long, hard race at Daytona. Tomac is already there in the front, so it's not like you're. Not like you're thinking to yourself. I got to get away. I don't see Tomac in front of me. Maybe he's buried. I got to get away. Jason Anderson has the pace to win that race, anyways. He has the pace to win that race, anyways. Stewart had the pace to win that race. I really believe that he would have been a contender in that race. So, the problem is, is that you you go in there and you kind of run into. He ran into Tomac, I think, who then ran into who then ran into uh, Stewart. Stewart has he's had enough, man. And he just he more or less ghost rode his bike into the side of him. And I don't like can't say I really blame him.
0: Me either. No. Nope.
1: You know what I mean? Me like what like it's just it's it's crazy, but it's it's yeah. Anyhow. I just think that it for me, supercross right now is so fun to watch anyways. And the uh, the, the four fifty class is on the two fifty side. Yeah, Jet give Lawrence us a did what,
0: sign, yeah, Yeah, Jet Lawrence did what Jet Lawrence is supposed to do. Unfortunately, it's like that. You know, he he wins by 14 seconds over Styles Robertson, who had a great run. Cameron McAdoo. Uh, Pierce Brown ends up fourth. And Enzo Lopes, who was right there in the mix, yep. you know, early on, is having a great year. Um Jordan Smith and your boy R. J. Hampshire in eighth was Nicoletti, Oldenburg, and Varice. Uh, you know, it was you know the racing itself was eh, it's 250s you know that type of thing it's jet lawrence everybody's so hyped on the dude and and he's doing what he's supposed to do i know it's a lot of pressure he's kind of bouncing back from some you know crazy weekend injuries and like and that stuff. so he's got yeah. he's had injuries
1: too and yeah i think he I got 5 feel points that, over McAdoo right now you know so but it's again good. a couple of these guys have been hurt again like you know forkner yeah, gets hurt kitchens cross. hurt that's the problem it's super cross. Right? and it's like how can you stay healthy? You gotta stay healthy, gotta stay um in the game every week and collect points. In fantasy, Greg, Hucklebuck Racing ends up now taking the lead um with twenty two oh seven, followed by Aja Buell. So it wasn't a great weekend for uh it wasn't a great weekend for Hucklebuck, only a couple hundred points, but um it was a strange weekend uh for, for fantasy for me also. I let's see, how'd you end up this week, Greg? Oh my god. <laughs> I, first, feel like well, first fantasy, all, I feel like both, everything fantasy I feel like everything fantasy that you have touched, you
0: stunk this week. Dude, horrible. It's absolutely horrible. I mean, Correndous. I don't even know what You're to say. Not even say. On the first page. I literally went middle of the pack. I just pe- I picked like an all-star and then everybody was like a 4 and a 5 and a 6 handicap. I figured, "All right, they're going to make it in." I had to pick early because I knew there was a possibility I'd be shooting or something when when the race started and so i never went back and adjust my picks and so that ended up getting me one rider in 450 that didn't even make the evening program and then i had every both the 250 and the 450 class i had all four riders in the 250 class in one heat and then all four riders in the 450 <laughs> another heat and only one made it out so when we got done with heat races jason i had two riders that were in that that made it yeah but, that's brutal dude that is uh, brutal all told, I I think I ended up having six riders this weekend. Or it doesn't matter. It was just a joke. It's it's fine. I'm looking at your I'm looking at your team. Um, you got to go all the way to the bottom. I think I'm like second oh, or third I found dead you. last. I found
1: you. You took Malcolm too, and Oldenburg scored you nothing, and Osby scored you nothing. Mm-hmm. I is old. I don't think even Oldenburg was even riding 450. Was he? Uh, I don't know why he's on there because I don't. Well, maybe he was, and I just didn't see it, but no like there were i only had three i only had three
0: 450 riders that even scored me points so mitch yeah, oldberg Ol- he was 19th he was oh he wins, oh no he, he, no, he wasn't no he, didn't ride. He, he hasn't, didn't ride he hasn't ridden 450 yeah, yeah i don't I know no why, why they even have on him the on the
1: yeah that's kind of sucks so um yeah no you stunk. so pretty solid pretty solid and and uh uncle skip won our little personal thing i'm killing it rn fantasy i've leading in a couple of leagues there and uh but this one's a lot harder i like it though i like the pulp and it feels like every weekend now on saturdays and sundays now moto gp has started i'm going to be under the gun to Where get these, it going next week uh detroit all right detroit is they're, East Coast. they're going to be in detroit and they're going to be uh are they on uh guys is detroit's detroit's east coast so, yeah, so we'll, it should we'll be, be like seven time. o'clock we'll our same, time. So we should be okay because
0: if, if if there's no rain, we'll do the Daytona 200. That'll wrap up at four o'clock ish. Three. Let's see. We're gonna go in the air at one, so we should be done by three thirty ish. No red flags. And then uh, Baggers is at four, so we should be done by four thirty. So we should have plenty of time to pick.
1: I'll probably sit Get in a, the booth after. Go to the your favorite. Go, to, go to your probably go to your favorite place just rip over to hooters right across the street and watch the supercross huh i don't know
0: i haven't been to daytona in a long time <laughs> i don't have a favorite place in daytona that that i do know normally it's um, the hotel room especially after doing the daytona 200 for two and a half straight hours like for it doesn't sound like much you know football games last like that nascar but when you're not used to it when you do one hour broadcast then you do a two and a half hour broadcast and then you follow that up um i'll be pretty i'm sure i'll be pretty tired yeah, point. we both will, and I'll probably just rip well, we'll, up to we'll Orlando.
1: To... Anyways, we'll find somewhere to go watch it. But uh, oh, really? You're not gonna? You're you're. Well, I got to catch a flight out. I got to catch a flight out the next morning early. So we'll just see how that oh, goes. Okay. So yeah. Oh, well,
0: all right. Nice seeing you, buddy.
1: Yeah, great seeing you. <laughs>
0: That's it, people. That's the <laughs> podcast. Jason's got to go. He's got to go up north, and and I've got to start preparing more for Daytona. The tease is long, dude. It's a long kind of historical tease. It is the 80th running of the Daytona be. 200. It should be. It's going to be a big so. race.
1: There's a lot of guys, a lot of people that we looked up to have won this race. So it's going to be fun to get down there. It's been, I don't know, Greg, it's probably been eight years since I've been to Daytona. Uh, since 2014 I kind of, for I, me, I think, or 13. I feel 20. weird that we're in the middle of bike weekend. I'm sitting in my office at my house. Like Normally, I used to just get so wrapped in this week and being down there and being part of it and... Mm -hmm. you know now we're not getting there till wednesday night so it's going to be kind of miles that i pedal my bicycle down there you know especially on like
0: saturday for us because we'd get you know it was intense thursday friday then you get saturday off and or you know i would work it normally with supercross and then but i didn't have to work till the afternoons you know so you'd have the mornings off and go to the speedway and there was flat track on the outside of the speedway that we got to work and man it was it was good but I'm looking forward to getting back down there just to see what's what's new what's different um, you know I heard the crowd down to Daytona is absolutely crazy just people enjoying bike week and so hopefully we'll get get a bunch of people at the speedway watching baggers watching the 200 should be a fun
1: weekend let's hope so all right right, G-Dub. well everyone thanks for uh, <clears throat> being a part of our fantasy league and uh, and uh, Daytona and is is here we're getting our race season started so everybody have a great week and weekend.